0: or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za Good morning, Church. It's good to be with you. (laughs) Uh, As much as this is not quite with you, especially feel that in light of the sermon that i'll be preaching today um but it is my joy and privilege to preach god's word uh to you today and I, i hope uh i pray that it will be an encouragement to you um and a welcome to anybody else who may be joining us today let's go to god and pray our lord and god um You have given us your word, and through your word you accomplish good things in us. Your word saves, your word points us to you and shows us how to live for you and shows us how to avoid dangers and shows us how to grow and shows us how to persevere. And God specifically, as we look today at how you intend to use the body, how you intend to use the Christian family, the Christian community in our lives to help us persevere in the Christian walk. We pray that you would use your word, God, to help us, to give us a clear vision of just how important this is and how best to go about it. I pray also, Lord, that Jesus Christ would be exalted during this time. He is the one who has paid the perfect price once for all. He is the one who makes it possible for us to come to you with full confidence. He is the one who has secured for us for all time just the, the blessing, the joy of being able to be in your presence And um, God, we pray that just as we we talk about these things, that it would be so clear to every heart that living for Jesus is worth it and is well worth it. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Okay, well, um, I didn't actually ask Blake to use this song this morning, but... uh, Obviously, he knew that it fit well with the sermon. And uh, so let's think about some of the words from one of the songs we sang this morning, which is, O to grace, how great a debtor Daily I'm constrained to be Let that grace, Lord, like a fetter Bind my wandering heart to Thee Prone to wonder Lord I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Prone to wander, tending to wander, easily wandering off. These are words from a hymn and a question for you though is: Are they true? Are they? Is there biblical basis for believing that our hearts do have this tendency that we are prone to wander? And the answer is yes, um, definitely. Hebrews three twelve, which is actually another text we'll be looking at this morning, uh, says this: Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. It is true that our hearts are prone to wander. As Hebrews 2.1 puts it, we can drift away from God. Think about that imagery, just drifting, without even thinking about it. We wake up and realize we're, we're kilometers away from the shore we've drifted away we can wander off with our hearts getting captured interested in other things we can get caught up listening to other truths that seem more attractive to us for one reason or another or pursuing this temptation or that things that seem to us to offer more pleasure or at least a more immediate pleasure than living for the lord When I preached previously from the book of Hebrews, I told you that a major metaphor in the book is that of a race. Not a sprint, but a marathon. And a big theme of this book is motivating us to run this marathon and to keep running it all the way to the end. Because it is worth it. It's worth it. It's long and it's hard, but it's worth it. And some of the other major dangers we see in this book, some of the other major dangers that would keep us from running this race and running it all the way to the end, are dangers of of getting tired, growing weary, wanting to give up, or deciding that the hard work of living for Christ is simply just not worth it. We want to just go back to our old life. We want to just stop running. But Hebrews makes very clear, if we turn away from God or give up running, there is no salvation for us. There is no salvation for us. Now I realize this can sound a bit confusing. You might be thinking, okay, hang on, wait. Uh, what about the doctrine of eternal security? What about perseverance of the saints Uh, don't we believe that once we're saved we're always saved don't we believe that all true christians will persevere and all true christians will finish the race of faith and yes we do we do but brothers and sisters you finish a race by running it and by running it all the way to the end you don't finish a race by leaving the race course or by sitting down and stopping. You have to keep going all the way to the end. And the Bible shows us that true Christians will persevere in their faith until the end. We believe, so we run, and we keep running. And the other side of that coin that the Bible also makes wonderfully clear is that God will preserve us until the end. God will give us the grace that we need. He will help us in a variety of different ways to keep repenting from our sins, to keep turning from our sins, to keep choosing Jesus, to keep living a life of faith and run this race all the way to the end. He will give us the grace that we need. What does Philippians 2, verse 12 to 13 tell us? It tells us, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Give it full effort. Take it as seriously as you possibly can. For, or because, God is at work in you. Both to will, that is to desire, to to want to live out the Christian life, and to work, that is to actually accomplish it, to do it, to succeed in Living out the Christian life. As I like to paraphrase paraphrase this verse. Sorry, um, Fight. Fight. Because God is at work within you. You will win. But you must fight. You must fight. If you fight, you will win. Because God is at work within you. Or if we change that a little bit to better fit the picture of a race... Run, run, keep running. God will give you all the grace you need to make it to the end. If you run, you will run, You will win, so run. If you run, you will win, so run. Brothers and sisters, hear me here. God will give true Christians all the help we need to run this race all the way to the end. And a big way that God does this is through you, you, through the church family. He works through you to get your brothers and sisters over the finish line. He works through your brothers and sisters to get you over the finish line. This race is not a race we run alone. We follow Jesus together. We run this race together. Today I want us to look at the book of Hebrews to see how God uses Christian fellowship to help us persevere in the Christian life. I want you to see how you can take advantage of God's good and gracious design in Christian community and life together as God intends so that you can persevere all the way to the end and help others persevere persevere too. We're going to look at two passages primarily today, both in the book of Hebrews. And the thing to realize with the book of Hebrews, just to give you some context to these passages, is that it's really the whole book is one sustained argument for us to persevere in the Christian life. Because Jesus is better than every other option out there. Because really, He's the only Savior. He's the only way to the Father. And following Him is worth it. Following Him is worth it. These two passages uh, highlight the role of fellowship in community in persevering in the Christian life. And those passages are Hebrews 3, verses 12 to 13, and Hebrews 10, verses 24 to 25. So let's take a look first of all at Hebrews 3, 12 to 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews ten twenty four to twenty five. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. How can we take advantage of God's design for fellowship and community? so we can persevere to the end and help others persevere too. First of all, we need, to, we need to guard our hearts together. We need to guard our hearts together. What do I mean by guarding our hearts? Well, in the Bible, the heart is the inner you. It is how you think through things. It's what you value. It's what you desire. And your heart expresses itself in your life, in what you feel and what you do and what you say. As the heart goes, so goes your life. And that's why the Bible tells us in Proverbs 4.23, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. And it's why Hebrews 3 warns us that an unbelieving heart can lead you to fall away from the living God. We have to watch over our hearts, guard our hearts, because our hearts lead us one way or the other. As one pastor has put it, we need to talk to ourselves and not just listen to ourselves. What he's getting at there is that we can't just allow ourselves to be led by our hearts, however our hearts are thinking and feeling on a given day. We actually have to lead our hearts so that our lives then follow in the correct way. We need to be counselors of our hearts. We need to speak truth to ourselves. We need to counsel our own hearts with truth. A quick example straight from the book of Hebrews, Um, imagine a scenario where you're you're feeling overwhelmed by the Christian life. Uh, You're failing uh, a lot. You're, You're really not making much progress. God is feeling distant to you. But instead of just listening to those thoughts and giving in to those feelings and allowing them to build some momentum, you remind yourself. This is from Hebrews 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. My heart may be telling me, I can't do this. My heart may be telling me God is distant. God doesn't understand. But I counsel my heart. That's not true. Jesus does know. Jesus does know. He's experienced life on earth. He knows how hard it can be. And he cares. And He's praying for us. And he promises to give mercy and grace to help. In time of need. So rather than despairing, let me go to Him and receive that help. That's guarding my heart from going where it shouldn't go, where it could very easily, very naturally, very quickly go if I just listened to myself and instead talking to myself and renewing my mind and heart with biblical truth. We all need to do this sort of thing multiple times daily, catching our hearts so to speak, as they run this way or that way, grabbing them, taking every thought captive <laughs> and pointing our hearts back to what is true. Or if our hearts are just numb and unfeeling and sleeping, we need to wake our hearts up and remind them of truth that is worth getting out of bed for, that is worth living for. We need to learn how to do this and how to do it well we also need the help of others to guard our hearts and we need to help others guard their hearts as well why because according to Hebrews three thirteen, sin is deceptive we need to guard against being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin sin lies to us and it lies well We can all be deceived by sin. We can all fall into the trap of believing the lies our sin tells us, of believing we're doing better than we really are. So, a few examples. You may tell yourself that you're not doing that bad in the area of purity, but in reality, your thoughts have begun to wander more and more. You've made some foolish compromises in what you're looking at on your phone or computer, and you've opened the door for pornography to begin getting a foothold in your life again. You're not doing fine. You're actually building momentum towards really, really struggling with uh, a life-dominating sin again. You need help. You need someone to sound an alarm. You may tell yourself that you're not an angry person. It's just... Life is hard and my children are disrespectful. It's, it's not them. As, rather, it is them. It's not me. I'm, I'm doing fine. You may tell yourself that you have forgiven someone, but meanwhile, there's bitterness in your hearts towards them and you avoid them and you have no desire to truly reconcile with them if you're honest with yourself. We may have many excuses for missing church or GC, but we don't see that honestly we are just not willing to make the effort when it comes down to it. There's a lack of desire that should concern us, a lack of desire for worship and fellowship that should concern us if we were really honest with ourselves. But we believe the deceitfulness of sin. So we must do our best to watch over our own hearts, but we must also get input from others. My sin may deceive me, but it's less likely to deceive somebody on the outside looking in. It's easier for them to see sin's lies and call it what it is. There's huge value, brothers and sisters, in confessing sin and sharing honestly with, with others about our struggles. Where are you feeling most tempted? What, what aspects of the Christian life are you finding most difficult? Ask people to pray for you specifically about certain struggles. Get accountability. Get input and counsel about how to tackle uh, some of the things you may be struggling with at a given time. For all of us, there's going to be almost always, if not always some aspect of the Christian life that we're finding difficult in the moment or some area where we are tempted to discouragement or tempted to, to wander away and pursue sin. Some area where we're not as motivated as we should be to really fight against sin and for honoring the Lord. For If we bring that into the light, into fellowship with others, It helps us immensely. This is also another reason why it's good and wise to get input on big decisions like jobs or moving or changing churches or dating. Um, It's not just because I don't have all the wisdom in the world and God tells me it's wise to get counsel from others. But it's also because sinful or idolatrous desires can blur my vision. I can think I'm thinking through something clearly when really I'm not. Um, and that's where it helps to just get that input from somebody else who says, okay, hang on, <laughs> hang on. Are you really thinking about this clearly? Secondly, we need to encourage one another in our walk with God. We need to encourage one another in our walk with God. Hebrews 3 tells us to exhort one another, and Hebrews 10, we're told to encourage one another. And it's actually the same Greek word in both passages, and this is a word that has a broader range of meanings, all of which I believe these passages call for. Um, The book of Hebrews as a whole is actually called a word of exhortation. And it serves for us as actually a model. If we think about the the book of Hebrews as a whole, it serves for us as a model of the various ways that we can come alongside each other and help one another, encourage one another uh, to, to keep running, to keep living the Christian life, to keep persevering. So some of these examples are warnings. We've already seen... Uh, the warning in hebrews three twelve warning us to guard our hearts, another example in chapter ten uh, verse twenty six that tells us, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a fearful expectation of judgment. A very heavy verse. A difficult verse to hear, but a verse that sounds an alarm, that that helps us wake up and realize the seriousness of drifting, helps us realize the seriousness of holding fast to what is true. We can exhort each other, which is to strongly call each other to do what needs to be done, I just mentioned holding fast. Well, that, that is actually an exhortation that comes up again and again and again in the book of Hebrews. Hold fast. That is another way of saying hold on tightly to what you believe. Don't let go, no matter what. We can encourage each other, seeking to motivate each other to keep going, to fill each other with hope that we, we can actually do it. We've already seen uh, the compassionate high priest in Hebrews four, and and how that can be an encouragement to us. Um, the, uh, from the passage that, that Blake read uh, earlier, we we see this 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 uh, uh, encouragement that since Jesus has paid it all, we can draw near with full confidence. Don't 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 listen to Uh, your conscience is trying to tell you that you're not good enough to draw near to God. Jesus has paid it all. Let me encourage you. You can draw near. You must draw near. Draw near. We can remind each other that God keeps his promises, that he's faithful, that he will give us the help we need. We can also encourage each other with examples. Uh, Think about the whole chapter 11 in in the book of Hebrews, which is life after life after life of people who persevered in following Jesus all the way to the end, despite difficulties, despite all sorts of things that may well have distracted them. Think about Moses who chose, rather than being royalty in, in Egypt to suffer with the people of God. Many, many examples culminating in the example of Jesus himself in the beginning of chapter 12. And also, again and again in Hebrews 11, there's this encouragement that it's worth it. That it's worth it time and time again with with each of these people who persevered. It's not just the fact that, look, it's possible. Look, other people have done it with God's help. It's for each of them, it was worth it. They had a better possession. There was, there's, there's a reward for those who, who, who live for the Lord. Um, there's a better city. There's, there's, there's better things to come. Um, even, even though they're not obtained in this life, they are coming. It's worth it. We need to encourage each other, warn each other. Spur each other on in all these ways. Number three, we need to regularly gather with other Christians and be purposeful when we gather together. So some of you might be wondering, if this is what the Bible says, then uh, why are we not gathering together in person today? Why are we just meeting over Facebook Well, without going into all the details of how the elders thought through this, I'll just say that there are uncommon reasons why we may not meet at the moment. Um, But they really should be uncommon. Um, Infrequent, rare, Um, and certainly very, very rare uh, when, it should be very, very rare um, when the church doesn't meet at all Uh, As is the situation right now. Um, But I assure you, (laughs) we didn't come to this decision lightly. And we made this decision in evaluating other things that the Lord calls us to. Um, And we are looking for the soonest opportunity, the soonest opportunity to wisely begin meeting again. Because this should not be normal, brothers and sisters. It should not be normal. And it definitely should not go on any longer than it absolutely needs to. Because God's design is for us to gather. We need to gather. Some of you might be thinking, well, the, why though? Um, why can't we just listen to the sermon you know, on Facebook or Zoom? Isn't that pretty much the same thing? Um, some of you might have gotten quite used to it. Um, I know for, for my family, even it's just... As much as we miss being with, with, with the church, there's something easier about just rolling out of bed and listening to a sermon in your pajamas, right? Um, it, it is a lot easier in some ways. But it is not the same thing. It is not the same thing. We need church with one another. We need church with fellowship. While it's absolutely true that preaching is central when we gather for our worship services, that God uses preaching in massive ways in our lives, Um, it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing that's important about our Sunday gatherings. And it's actually not what is being emphasized in these particular passages in the book of Hebrews. The emphasis in these passages is on mutual encouragement. Me encouraging you, you encouraging me. And part of how we'll we'll do that when we gather on a Sunday is through singing. Singing is a key way that we we speak truth, we sing truth to each other. Um, But it's not just the hearing of the truth, it's the fact that I'm hearing you sing it, and you sing it. And I'm reminded that I'm not the only one who believes this, but you believe it too. And maybe if it's a Sunday or a particular week that I'm struggling a little bit, then there's that extra blessing of looking over and seeing you not just sing it, but seeing you sing it with all your heart and gusto. Helps me to believe it more deeply. This is not small. It's not small to be reminded that we're not the only ones who believe these truths. We're not in this alone alone that we're family in this together, following Jesus together. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Singing is part of how we teach and admonish each other. But again, there's more. There's more. When we gather together in person, we have the opportunity to just observe, to be reminded and encouraged of God's work in the lives of others. The longer you're a part of a church, you get to know people, you get to know their stories, you know of how God has saved them, you know you've been able to witness God growing them. And there's a huge encouragement even in just looking around the room and being reminded of the fact that this couple that has a wonderful, healthy marriage now used to have significant struggles, but God saw them through it. That this person over here who struggles with chronic pain and really has to trust God with that daily, that God has been giving them the grace they need and helping them along the way. You look around and you realize God has saved a lot of people here from very different backgrounds, from all oh, very different stories. He's at work. And that's a huge encouragement. And then fellowship, actually interacting with one another, specifically sharing your walk with God with one another. That's what fellowship is, brothers and sisters. Not, it's not just Christians being together. It's sharing your walk with God with one another. And so as we interact with each other, we don't just talk about the curry cup or the football or whatever it may be. We talk with each other about how our walk with God is going. How can I be praying for you? The sermon encouraged me in this way. What did you get from the sermon? How did it encourage you? It's also huge. There's, there's a reason the Bible commands us to greet one another with warmth. Um, is, there's a reason the Bible tells us to show each other love and affection. Um, because we are family in Christ. And when we love each other in this way, we're reminding each other of the fact that we are family because God is our Father. Your love for me, your expression of love for me reminds me that this is true. Your willingness to forgive me and to bear with me and to keep loving me no matter what reminds me of the fact that God loves me in that way. And you will love me that way because he's made us family who are in this together. All of this is a huge encouragement to our hearts. And then another big thing, another big reason why it's helpful to gather is it's so much harder for people to slip through the cracks. I am a lot more likely to notice, right, if somebody is not attending when we gather than I am to notice if they're not watching this video now. We take note of who wasn't there, and we can follow up and just check in, okay, okay? How are you doing? Are you sick? Are you discouraged? Did you find yourself just not motivated to worship? How can I pray for you? How are you doing? And of course, there's more than just Sundays. There's more than just Sundays, and I believe these passages have more in view than just our Sunday gatherings. Much more in view than just our Sunday gatherings. So a key thing at Living Hope uh, that hopefully most of you know is that we really do want absolutely everybody to be a part of our gospel community groups. And our gospel community groups primarily exist for this very thing. A key way our church seeks to encourage close-knit relationships and regular fellowship. How do you make the most of GCs? Because again, GC's it's an opportunity, okay, but it only it 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 only is the blessing it's supposed to be to you if you grab hold of it and make the most of it. Okay. So we need you to attend faithfully. If at all possible, you should be there every week. People should be surprised when you're not able to make it. Again, if at all possible, I know life circumstances vary, but it should be that you are there as much as you possibly can be. And when you're there, you participate in discussions and you try remembering the purpose of the group to really focus in in the discussions on application, to really ask the, but how do we live this out questions. How do we overcome this hurdle or that hurdle? How do we actually live this out? You share your life honestly. You give specific prayer requests and not just prayer requests on the level of, um, you know, my daughter is sick. Please pray for her. Those are wonderful. But also on the level of, you know, I've just been struggling to trust God with this situation. I know I need to trust him. I know he's trustworthy. But I want to be honest with you that on a heart level, I'm struggling with this. Pray for me, please. Pray for me, please. And even if there's some things that, are just, uh, that, that you wouldn't want to share with the whole group just yet, that you find at least uh, one or two people in the group that, that are aware of even the most nitty-gritty uh, d- details of your life. How are you doing in your walk with the Lord? And I want to encourage you not to be afraid to do this. I know it may take time, and, I, and I'm not saying it has to happen overnight, but I encourage you to push yourself towards this, and realizing that it really is a means of grace from God. Imagine imagine going to a doctor, but hoping he doesn't find out what you actually need help with. doesn't make sense, does it? We need to get over our embarrassment. We need to take advantage of what God has given to us to help us fight our sin and grow. You are a great sinner. I know. (laughs) I I know. Uh, But I am too. And we have a great Savior. As we sung already this morning, His mercy is more. His mercy is more. And brothers and sisters even g c s are just supposed to be a springboard. This isn't just supposed to happen on a wednesday evening it 's supposed to happen throughout the week, which is one of the reasons our g c s are are um generally geographic you You, you gather in g c generally with people who live close to you and and the reason for that is because it becomes then that much more that much easier to actually interact with them at other times during the week. Um, so what can you do beyond just Wednesday, just the GC gatherings? Of course, WhatsApps and calls. You can get together with someone for a cup of coffee. Um, I encourage you to think a lot about hospitality. Hospitality is such a big thing in the scriptures, something that we're called to, to to. Bring someone over for a meal, uh, welcome someone over for a meal. Or um, here's the thing, even if your life situation doesn't allow for that, you can approach someone and say, can I bring a meal over to your home? Um, and, and, and even if you're not in a situation where you can do that, I encourage you to even be so bold as just to say, all right, I, I can't have you over, I can't bring anything over, but I want to spend time with you. Please, can I come? Please, can I come? Uh, we're family, and, 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 and this time together is so important. I encourage you to, 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 to think about outreach opportunities. Um, something as simple as just saying to someone, let's both try and get to know the cashiers at our local spa. Uh, the last few times I've been to spa, it's always the same cashier I've been trying to get to know them. Why don't you try and get to know them too? And then we can both invite them to church. We can both invite them to GC. Um, things along these lines. Just getting together with people regularly to, pr- to pray, even just for half an hour. Okay, well, we we both live in the, the same block of flats. Or we live across the street from each other. Uh, Monday evening, half an hour. Every Monday, we're just going to touch base and spend some time praying together. These are the sorts of things you can be doing. Now, here's the the key thing to remember, though, right? If fellowship is sharing your walk with Christ with one another, we should be seizing the opportunities that we have, the the, the, the our interactions with one another, and trying to keep it, uh, trying trying to to keep it focused on this, um, trying to trying to take opportunities for sharing. I'll walk with Christ with one another um, too often what can happen for Christians is that we think as long as we're spending time together it is fellowship okay um, but that's like a soccer team uh, getting together to watch a movie and thinking that they've had a soccer practice okay the fact that they're they're all on the soccer team doesn't make that a soccer practice they, they actually do need to get out some soccer balls. They need to do some drills. They need, to, they need to actually help one another improve in their soccer game. And then they need to go out and actually play matches together. Okay? Um, so and, and this this is not to say that there's no value to just low-key time, to just enjoying maybe watching a soccer game or watching a movie or just just having some fun together. There's lots of value in that. We are a family. Um, And and, and even just enjoying one another's love together is part of how God encourages us uh, and and helps us care for one another. Um, But I want to encourage you to, to be purposeful about these times, to be purposeful about these times, to encourage one another in your walk with the Lord. Okay. So what do we do now <laughs> during this lockdown time? Well, as, as Connie's already mentioned, as Blake's already mentioned, let's, let's pray, pray, pray that this doesn't last very long. Um, let's pray that we really are able to just gather together uh, in, in the all, you know, on Sundays and GCs uh, in, in all these ways we've been talking about, that we, we're able to do that sooner rather than later. Um, but in the meantime, we do—we've—we've we've got the technology we've been talking about. It is a huge blessing. It's a huge blessing. How we can interact with each other, call each other, WhatsApp each other, um, how we Zoom meetings, Zoom prayer meetings. What what a blessing! What a blessing! Um, and I encourage you, please take advantage of these things. Um, please, 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 if you don't have data, ask us for it. Ask us for it. This, Especially if this ends up stretching out for, for a longer period of time. You need one another. You need one another. Don't neglect uh, these opportunities to do the best we can under the circumstances to enjoy life together and to, to to do this together rather than doing it as a solo thing. Um, I'd also encourage you, you know, our, our biblical counseling is still possible. Uh, you can still meet up with uh, um, one of the pastors for, for care. Um, Sarah's not, not back with us just yet, but... Um, uh, but if you, you need counseling, let us know. That's still possible during this time, and you can still meet one-on-one. That's it's not it's not against the law to to meet up with somebody for a cup of coffee. Uh, do take care. You know, if you've got if you've got symptoms uh, that that may be COVID, um, you don't don't get together with others. Be be mindful of that. But. Be mindful of your spiritual health as well. And and if you can get together with others wisely, uh, with care, do so. Um, but let's be praying that this gets back to normal as soon as possible. I want to draw your attention um, to this uh, word habit. Okay, What does Hebrews 10 tell us? It tells us, that some are in the habit of not gathering together. And I, I think that's one of the, the, the biggest warnings for us to be aware of during this time because, because what is a habit? A habit is something that becomes normal for you, something that is, is your, your, your typical way of doing something, something you get used to, that you get comfortable with, and then it just becomes your default, becomes just what, what you do without even thinking about it, okay? We really must watch out during this time that this does not become our new normal, does not become habit. Okay? Speak to your heart about that. (laughs) Just listen to your heart. Talk to your heart. Number four, we need to consider others with the intention to stimulate them to love and good works. Okay? Now, your Bible translation probably reads, Consider how we may stir one another on towards love and good deeds. A more literal word order, though, would be, Consider one another so that you can stir one another up to love and good deeds. What's the difference I'm I'm trying to draw your attention to here? Well, it's the, the Greek word order shows us that this is this is not just a, a generic one size fits all thing. It's it's more personal. It's more it's more customized. So rather than just thinking about general things that we can we can encourage each other in, we're thinking about individuals. We're thinking about their life situations. We're thinking about their gifts we're thinking about their opportunities and we're thinking about how we can specifically encourage them Towards love and good deeds. Who needs a ride if they're going to be able to make it to GC, to young adults, to a Sunday evening seminar? Um, I can I can proactively think ahead and think, okay, this person is probably going to struggle to make it there. Okay, so let me try and arrange a ride for them, and. I can be thinking about them. I can also be thinking about someone else who I know lives fairly close to them and has a car. And I can suggest to that person, okay, could you express love to this person by uh, the good deed of offering them a ride and bringing them to church? Um, and so, so this is this is this is bigger than me. I'm, I'm thinking about ways to. Encourage and mobilize my brothers and sisters as, we, as we're thinking together about how to care for each other and how to live lives of love. Maybe someone could really um, love um, to go to something that would be helpful to them, right? So I've just talked about a ride here. Another thing might be, might be providing uh, childcare for somebody so that they can go to Ladies' Bible study. Um, so they can go to a Sunday evening seminar. Um, even as you think about ideas for yourself, you can think about, okay, who else could I include in this? Who else uh, lives near me and could help with this evangelistic opportunity? Uh, who else has this interest and could could be um, helpful uh, to me with, with this thing? Um, I'm 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 not a part of a service team yet in the church. I need to get plugged in. I need to figure out how I can get plugged in in the church. Okay, well I'm not the only one new to the church. Um, let me put my arm around someone else and think to say, okay, why don't you join me? Let's let's go figure this out together. Let's talk to one of the leaders together. Uh, let's consider maybe we're going to serve in the same service team together. Um, backgrounds, areas of interest. In um, our church, language is a big thing. If I if I meet somebody on a, on a Sunday and I'm I'm trying to reach out to them and show them love, and I realize, okay, this person's uh, struggling with English, so okay, who can I connect them with who who speaks Swahili and and can um, you know reach out to them in ways that I can't? Um, you know, um, well, this person might be from a Muslim background. Well. This other person in the church is also from a Muslim background. I can I can put them together. Um, this person is is studying education. Well, okay, let me introduce them to someone else in the church who's studying education or who's in the same line of work them, as them, or who lives near them and would be a part of the same GC that they could they could be connected with, and so. We're not just thinking about how we can, we can live lives of love. We're thinking about our brothers and sisters in the church. We're thinking about the gifts, the opportunities that they have. Um, these, these, this whole myriad of different dynamics. And we're thinking, okay, how can I spur my brother and sister on towards love and good deeds? How can I, what, what situations can I suggest to them? Opportunities can I suggest to them? Who can I connect them with? How can I encourage them? Um, to 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 live this life of love, um, and 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 share the gospel with others, spur, uh, encourage others in their Christian life, etc. Here's a big one. Here's a big one, and this is really, uh, this has been something that's been a huge encouragement to me, again and again and again. And so beautiful how God designs uh, the church. Um, Second Corinthians speaks of one of the reasons that we go through trials is for how God will use us in the lives of others. He comforts us in our trial, and then we're able to comfort others with the comfort with which God has comforted us. Um, and this is this is a big one. It's it's an amazing thing, you know when when uh, you 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 hear of something that somebody's going through and then you're able to think to yourself, okay, I can encourage them from God's word. Absolutely, I can. But in addition to that, there's this brother or sister that I know who's been through this. And I, I want to let them know that they have an opportunity to take what God encouraged them and comfort them Uh, in through that situation and take that and be a a massive blessing to this person by coming alongside them and saying, hey, I've been there and here's how God helped me. Here's how God saw me through it. And so we're thinking of others. We're thinking about this specifically. We're daydreaming. (laughs) We're having conversations with, with our spouse, with our friends about, okay, well, what, what, what can we encourage this person in uh, what what opportunities can we suggest to this person? Um, what needs are out there who 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 would be a good person to to meet those needs etc and so I hope through all this it 's so clear you know even even in terms of how I dream <laughs> even in terms of how i i I, I try and live uh, uh, a life a bigger life for the lord and think of, of ways to serve him ways to to get the gospel out there i'm not just thinking about myself i'm thinking about the whole christian family the whole church family the whole body and as i think about how to spur others on I, this is also <laughs> then having an effect of spurring me on and, and and encouraging me in my walk with the lord and it, it's interesting isn't it that that this is all in the context of perseverance this is all in the context of perseverance and and i think we 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 should take to heart okay perseverance is not just standing still it's not just the absence of wandering away the the antidote here <laughs> The, the answer in terms of how we, we, we help others persevere is that we we spur them on towards lives of of love, lives of good deeds, lives of looking outside themselves, lives of being, being a blessing to others to the glory of God. So as we think about how to disciple people and to help even, even brand new believers, this is the Christian life. It's not just reading my Bible and praying as important as that is it's not just attending church as important as that is it is an outward life of love that's how we run that's how we run okay, firstly we need to be urgent and diligent about this urgent why do I say urgent? well, what does Hebrews 3 tell us? while it is still cold today. Don't put it off. Don't put it off if you know of someone who is in need of encouragement. You know of someone who's in danger of wandering away. Don't, don't put it off. While it's still cold today, seek to be an encouragement to them. Remember also, as Hebrews 3 talks about, right, what does an unbelieving heart do? It it leads us away from God, and it becomes hardened, hardened. Think of calluses, right? When you maybe get a manual labor job for the first time, your first couple of days going out there swinging a pick and, and uh, working with a shovel, and you, you, you your hands feel it like crazy. You get blisters, and your hands are, are super sore. But after a few months of doing that, you don't even feel it. You've got calluses on your hands, and day after day, you you, 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 you go to work, and, uh, and your hands don't even notice. When that happens to our hearts, it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. So we can't sit back and allow... Um, our brothers and sisters hearts to get calloused or our heart to get calloused we need to address these things with urgency hebrews 10 tells us we need to be an encouragement to each other and all the more as the day is drawing near jesus is coming back we're closer to his return now than we ever have been And that is a wonderful, glorious thing, something we rejoice in, but something we can only really look forward to if we're walking with Him. The same Jesus who's coming back for His own is coming back to judge those who reject Him. And I say diligent, diligent because it's something we have to work at constantly, faithfully, right? Right? Every day or daily, Hebrews 3 says, right? We think um, of Hebrews 10, just just there's a clear pattern of meeting together that, that, that should, should characterize our life together. So we have to be diligent and we have to be urgent. Let me recap. We need to guard our hearts together. We need to encourage one another in our walk with God. We need to regularly gather with other Christians and be purposeful when we gather together. We need to consider how we can help one another live lives of love. And we need to be urgent and diligent about fellowship. Let me close with this. Some of you will have seen pictures of the Comrades Marathon and One of the things the Comrades Marathon is famous for is not just that it's so long, but it's supposed to be this race that encourages this camaraderie and looking out for each other. And so uh, a lot of the pictures that that people associate with that race is is people helping each other in the, the last few hundred meters, especially, and just helping each other across that finish line. Well, try and picture this. You're in a marathon, and the finish line is just up ahead. And on the other side of that finish line is no more sin or sickness or sadness. And the God of the universe, in all his glory, is welcoming you to be with him forever and ever there, waiting for you. And as you're running, your your arm is around me, (laughs) And my arm is around you. And your GC leader is is there too, also linked up. And so are all your GC members. And in fact, the whole church is there, over a hundred of us, all with our arms over each other, all working our way towards this finish line. And we're picking each, each other up when we stumble and fall. And we're encouraging each other along, even though we're exhausted and hurting, all the way to the end. And that's the Christian life, brothers and sisters. God has given us each other. God has given us each other. He is faithful. And He will get us over that finish line. And His design is that we run this race together. We get across that finish line together. Amen. All right. Let's live that out. Let's live that out by God's grace. Let me pray. Our Lord and our God, I pray that you will help us to see the beauty of this design. You're so kind. You you, you haven't left us alone. You've given us your word. You've given us your spirit. And you've given us your body. You've given us your body. And God, I pray that you would also, you would motivate us both to take advantage of the means of grace you've provided to help us persevere. And that you would motivate us. You give us. May our hearts be thrilled with the privilege and joy of being used by you to help our brothers and sisters finish this race, to make it across the line. And God, we know that you've prepared good works beforehand for each of us to walk in. You've gifted us with spiritual gifts. You've, In your providence, you've, you've given us a whole mix of different things life experiences and language skills and, and just um, even trials that we've been through, um, things that we've, we've learned, things that we've, we've learned about your word um, and, and about walking with you. And, and God, you intend for us to take these things and to use them to be an encouragement to our brothers and sisters in the Lord and as we help one another live this life. And so, God, motivate us to do that and help us to do it well. We're so thankful that you're faithful. We're so thankful that you will help us all the way to the end. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.